welcome to this month's episode of the BookNet Canada podcast. I am your host, Natalia Lacombe, the marketing associate at BookNet. For this month's podcast, we have an international guest joining us. She is from the largest country in South America, the land of samba, brigadeiros, and soccer. Isadora Cal, account manager at Bookwire, is joining us from Brazil. We will be talking about accessibility, she will share her expertise about the topic and paint a picture for us about the Brazilian publishing industry, the progress as it relates to accessibility, and the still present challenges. But before we move forward with the interview, I want to take a moment to thank Isadora and all the other Tech Forum speakers who generously have agreed to share their presentations content with us in the Canadian publishing public. Some presentations have been brought to you as live webinars, some others are already available in our YouTube channel, and some others can be found in our blog, part of our website. There are going to be also more videos coming, so I would recommend you to keep an eye on our YouTube channel and subscribe to our weekly newsletter on our website, booknetcanada.ca. And now I want to share with you a little bit more about Isadora. She has an MA in Publishing at Oxford Brookes University and is currently finishing an MBA in Business Intelligence and Analytics at FIAP in Sao Paulo, Brazil. She has been working in the publishing industry for 10 years now with experience in proofreading, copy editing, digital marketing, digital publishing, and more recently in data analysis. She started the accessibility project at Bookwire after attending her first ebookcraft in 2019. Thank you so much for joining us, Isadora. We are so happy to have you here. So let's start with some background information about Bookwire and the work the company does. Can you tell us what is Bookwire and what services does the company offer? Um, thank you, Natalie, for having me. Um, so Bookwire is a digital aggregator. Uh, we deliver and manage digital content for publishers uh, be it ebooks, audiobooks, and even podcasts now. Um, and we also work with print on demand. But mainly, we are a technology company for publishers. Um, we provide a very intuitive and enhanced platform to the publishers so they can manage their digital products and like check sales uh, and trends, daily sales, so they know what's up in near real time um, and we deliver to every shop in the world almost every shop but you know the main ones for sure and libraries digital libraries as well uh, and this uh, gives the publisher um, the time like instead of going directly to each shop and dealing with each one they just have everything in one place and also all the da data and the sales in one place Thanks, Isara. That's very interesting. Now, can you tell us where is the Brazilian publishing market at in terms of accessibility and books? That's a tough question. Uh, um, about accessibility, we we moved forward uh, a few years ago with the Brazilian uh, Law of Inclusion, which I'm going to talk about a bit more later. Uh, which means that now, if someone demands an accessible book, I'm not only talking about just 
here, but also the previous one, Brio, uh, the publisher has to provide, but this is about it. There's nothing else being done, uh, and publishers don't really know what accessibility means. Uh, and we have, um, we are not a country very fond of reading. So the average Brazilian reads one or two, one or two books per year, which is very low. Our publishing market um, has faced a crisis because two of the main uh, shops are, they are going bankrupt. There are some legal stuff going on that I don't know how to explain in English. I'm really sorry. Uh, but like the, it's the process right before you go bankrupt. Uh, and they were the two major ones. Like think of Waterstones and Barnes and Noble, I think. I don't know which, yeah. which is the big one in Canada. Um, Indigo. Will Indigo be like the equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. So think, think if Indigo was going bankrupt and closing on uh, all the shops. Uh, mm -hmm. So this was really hard on the publishers because they stopped getting paid and it was the main source of uh, revenue. Uh, but it also has an impact in the readers because then they can't find books. They, can, they cannot access bookshops. Uh, and, you know, Brazil is a huge country. We have all sorts of reality here. Not everyone is able to access the internet. I would say that most of the country is able to, but there are cities where you don't even have internet and uh, shopping online is is a big thing in big cities or the richer states, I would say, but it's not a thing everywhere. So you cannot rely on Amazon to get books everywhere. Uh, so this obviously, affect the publishing market. We have less people reading because they don't have access to books and things like that. And when you add accessibility, then it gets worse because even though we, we have this law that talks about inclusion, uh, there's nothing much being done and the publishers don't fully understand what accessibility means. They just think like, okay, it's a book for a blind person. I was just gonna say that there's a lot of lack of information, and yeah, many many people doesn't understand like how far accessibility actually goes, and how many people actually could benefit from it. Yeah, they don't they don't understand fully what visual impairment is. They they just think there is a blind person. Uh, so you know, when we talk about ebooks, we're also targeting people that have low <laughs> low vision and can then uh, read the ebooks with a bigger font, just like elder people that have problems with not only with font size, but with um, mobility, they cannot like go out and get books and stuff. So, you know, ebooks make their lives easier. Um, so this is, this is the scenario. Um, most publishers don't don't know what it is. Some of them know, but they only do what the government requires. There is a governmental program called PNLD in Portuguese, which means uh, National 
program for the school book, something like this. Uh, mm -hmm. And this program chooses uh, like a lot of books every year. And the government buy these books to schools. Um, and then they demand an accessible digital version. So that's like the only scenario where the publishers actually do something, but it's specifically for this for this program. It's not for sale, for like general sale. So I would say it's not it's not really accessible. It's accessible in the technical side, but it's not available to everyone. Like if you're not in school, how do you read the book? Mm -hmm. And things like that. When I think about accessibility, I think that not only it should be tech accessible but it should be accessible for everyone just like books are accessible for me as someone who can see I definitely agree with you um so now trying to dig a little bit deeper what are the main reasons why publishers are not creating more accessible books why do you think that happens the main reason is that they just don't know what accessibility means um, most of them don't understand what, how to make an accessible ebook, uh, because you know there are technical things. And I think this governmental program, like this, is a great thing that we have, and it helps a lot of people. It reaches a lot of people. So I think publishers uh, get a little confused with the program requirements because they make um, an ebook with. Uh, a narration, so there is a human being narrating the book. So, just to understand, like for for myself, so they are basically doing audiobooks type of thing. So that's their way to be accessible. Sorry. Not quite. Um, so the thing is, when you have an accessible ebook, uh, you have it in a way that your device can read the text for you. But that's yes. a computer voice. Uh, yes. But you could kind of load a file with a person reading the the book to you. And okay. then it works okay. in two ways. If the person gets the the ebook, when she asks the device or whatever to read out loud, the reading will be this one done by a human previously recorded. Or if someone has issues with um, understanding words, you know, you can read while you listen also. Yeah. The thing is, the program as well, they, uh, they want a human voice instead of a computer voice, which is great. So, yeah, basically an outbook inside, <laughs> inside the ebook, uh, but it makes the ebook really heavy and they have other things, other layers, and uh, that makes this specific file really heavy and really complicated. This file is not accepted by shops, so you cannot sell this this file. You cannot use this file to sell your book in in other channels. It works for for this program. So I think most publishers they think well. It takes a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort to make this kind of successful book. So I'm not going to do it because I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the, the people to make it. 
when in reality, accessible books are much easier to be done. And that's how I came with this idea to <clears throat> to write a document explaining very very easy to understand way what accessibility means. Uh, if you think about the technical side, not a lot changes. Actually, if you did a good job in the first place, like when making it, making an ebook, if you just do everything right with your code, book be accessible from the start. There are mm -hmm. only a few things that have to take in consideration, like um, it be in sub three, not in sub two. Um, you need email description, but that's the thing. If you're if you're coding, you know have much description. Like there is the tag, and it should not be tag empty, and things like that. You know, and so the main reasons, the main reason why publishers are not for accessible books is because they just don't know how, and that they don't know it's possible, and they don't know. I think that's the main thing. They don't know it's not so expensive as they think. Uh, so, like, very slowly we are getting to publishers and making them understand that it's something that can be done from the beginning. But, you know, in Brazil, we would have to take a lot of steps back because most publishers don't even make the ebook at the same time as the print book. Like, mm. This is a struggle for us until today. And Amazon is doing a good job of sort of forcing the public to do it. It's not, forcing is a hard word, but they're very um, persistent in showing the publishers with data that if they have of a simultaneous release, their the revenue will be much better. So they are finally paying attention and started to release the ebook with the print book. So you know, we're at this point, and then we have to tell them, okay, now that you're, there you have accepted to make the ebook as at the same time as the print. Can you just make this an accessible ebook? This is where we're at. Many things to consider, right? But moving on to our next question. In your proposal, you mentioned that Brazil doesn't have a quote-unquote library culture. And honestly, neither does my home country, Colombia. Going to the libraries is like going to a museum, something you enjoy but you don't do often. So my question is, what are the steps a person with visual impairments has to go through in order to acquire an accessible book? So um, I I cannot speak for the visual community, and that's something important to say because um, this this that I'm doing uh, is still in development. So I was I was just starting to talk to some people. Has, they have visual impairments to understand better uh, their experiences and their needs. Uh, but what I do know is that um, in libraries, 
in some libraries in Brazil, like public libraries, you can find some books in Braille. Um, so this is a way. The other way is if in school, um, you can have a book through that program that I mentioned before, the PNLD. Uh, and we have in Brazil a foundation called Dorina no Will, which is, um, I think it's famous around the world as well for doing a great job. They are a nonprofit organization uh, for people with visual impairments. They have a lot of services there, but they have a very big library which print books, uh, kind of print books uh, in royal and with enhanced letters and different colors, uh, books that a person that can see can also follow with someone with visual impairment. I'm thinking about parents and teachers. They have ebooks and audiobooks, and they're all for free. So the publishers usually allow the foundation to have this, this, these books. Uh, and this foundation is in a lot of cities in Brazil. They are almost everywhere, at least in one city per state. Brazil is divided by states, we're 26 states, plus the federal district. Uh, but yeah, they are, they are everywhere. So this is a, a very easy way because it's free. They have everything. Um, that the person needs, like if you want to hear the audiobook, you can either take it home or you can send to it there if you want to read the book as well. Um, so that's that's the ways that I know. But the thing is, um, and no one should have to go through different ways to to access a book. Everyone should have same access, uh, and obviously person with visual impairment can just buy any book online just like anyone else and they can buy to make their device read, read out loud the, the ebook. But in Brazil, most of the books won't function well. They just have a really bad um, and things that will make the text break, not make a lot of sense. Um, so that's that's what I know and what I can share. I was um, I was talking to the Dorina No Will Foundation in the beginning of the year. They were going to help me with the research. They have some testers that work with them. Working company, well, not a company, but you know, inside the foundation, and they also have a lot um, a lot of people going there all the time. So they were uh, they were analyzing. Research so they could pass it on to the readers. Unfortunately, I cannot get the answers in time for this podcast because when coronavirus just got in Brazil, uh, they had to stop working. And anyway, I hope I get the answers for next year. Yeah, absolutely. We honestly will be very, very excited to get to know those results and get like a better understanding on what things are like at the moment and try to see like what areas of improvement are there. So yes, we will very much appreciate 
seeing those results of that survey that you're conducting? Just to share a context to the research, I said research, but it's actually a survey. I was just thinking in Portuguese and translating literally, but it's a survey um, because I read a lot of things online and I read a lot of things uh, in ebookcraft last year. I don't know much about the experience in Brazil, and we are in a different situation because uh, we we don't go to libraries. Oh, ha! Huh, there is a library topic. I knew I was. Sorry. <laughs> um, so we have this very different situation because it's not a common thing to libraries in Brazil. Um, we have a library in every city, I would say, uh, a library, but it's not a common thing for people to go there to read. So for example, in Sao Paulo, where I live, and it's the biggest city in Brazil. We have very beautiful libraries, uh, and they have a lot of events. And it's just like you said, people are there as if it was a museum. They see stuff, and it's a beautiful place to be. It's this cultural thing, but very few people get books, you know. Yeah. In schools, yeah. I would say it's a little different, but in general, the general public. In Colombia, it's exactly the same. Like, I remember even myself, while I was going to university, I will go to my university library all the time. But once I graduated, like, I probably will go to a public library maybe, like, twice a year. And I don't think, like, at the moment, I even had, like, interest in knowing if they had, like, some sort of other resources, like e-books or anything like that. And that has changed dramatically since they moved to Canada, but that's a completely other story. But no, like I, I do agree that, and I, I think it's pretty much in like Latin America in general, like a cultural yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, if people read um, an average of one or two books a year, wow. they obviously don't go to coverage, you know? uh, and I am a very privileged person privileged person I you know I I went to good school I went to a good university um, so I know that my experience does not reflect most Brazilians but people like me uh, they usually just buy books you know because going to a library and then you have to um, you have to take the book out, and then you have to remember to return the book. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not a thing that we do. Um, I wish it was different, but it's not. However, I w I wanted to make this survey because I understand that my experience is not everyone's experience, um, and maybe people with visual impairments just go more to the libraries or um, they just buy ebooks anyway, regardless of how the they are done. Uh, and I don't even know, like, let's think about Kindle. I know that the Kindle device, 
parts of the Kindle device don't have sound on, so you know they're not accessible. I I think the Kindle one does have sound, but anyway, people with visual impairment will usually read <clears throat> their phone or tablet or things like that or computers. I know some programs that they use to read to read out all the. Um, I wonder if the shops themselves are accessible, if the buying experience is accessible. So, you know, I could do a lot of work for the publishers to make the file accessible, but then if the person cannot buy it in the shop, it would be all for nothing. So I did this survey to try to understand how a person with visual impairment buy uh, in Brazil, where they read the most, what kind of... Um, apps or programs they use read the text out loud. Uh folks usually have their own text to speech um like function. Uh but I've tried to use it. I don't know if you have ever tried. And to me it was so hard. Uh, no I haven't but I'm curious about it. Like I've seen people doing it. I don't know if you remember uh, actually, last year at Tech Forum, we had some uh, folks from NELS joining us, which NELS is pretty much like the equivalent of the foundation that you were talking about. Um, they also have some sisters. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's the closest I have gotten to actually seeing someone using one of these devices. Uh, but my understanding is also like some of them are very robotic, like the experience is not the same as when you are, of course, reading yourself or when there's like that human touch that like, it's just what we were talking earlier about like, the, like not having that computer voice and having like a, an actual human voice narrating the book. It just makes the experience much better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is one of the things that I asked in the survey and I was eager to learn about it. Um, I don't know if the people with visual impairment prefer human voices or robotic voices. I, I would say the human voice. But, yeah, that, um, when I, that's my vote. I, <laughs> what do we know? Yeah, that's just what I wanted to make to, to make clear. I don't know much about it yet. Uh, and my, I just want to make publishers, like my main goal is to make publishers understand what accessibility is and provide accessible content. And I want to help with the technical side. But to make this step, obviously, I need to understand um, the people that will be using it and what they actually want. And I haven't yet got a chance to talk to them directly. I don't know any, sadly, I don't know any blind person or any, I don't know any person with visual impairments. Um, and this one time that I was at the foundation, um, I did this tour. They showed me the place around and everything that they do. And a person that told me that most people, and I'm not sure if this is accurate, it was a person that can see that told me this, uh, but she told me that most people with visual impairments don't mind at all the robotic voice. Because they usually just, um, they just, oh my God, how do I say this? 
like a speed up the voice. You know, when you're hearing a, po a podcast, just make times faster. So yeah, people with visual impairment, they usually do that. They are so used to listening to things that they read really faster than in us folks can see. Uh, this is a point to make to the public if you're not going to see the importance of this from the social side look from the economic side they read much more than people that can see that's very interesting also because like when you think about it they are hearing this computer generated voices in all the other devices right so maybe yeah it becomes familiar Okay, so following question. So can you tell us more about what Bookwire is doing to promote the creation of accessible books? We are doing an e-books. That's the first thing. We're actually a, an aggregator. We just deliver content, but we have some partners uh, that make e-books. So if a publisher doesn't know how to make an ebook? You cannot make their own ebooks if they don't have the staff inside, uh, and or if they they do, but the person does not understand a, a lot about accessibility, they can do it through us. Uh, and we have actually a lot of publishers that chooses this because if they know that we know more than they they do, uh, so. This is the moment where we say, hey, so you're going to be paying, uh, I'm going to use a dollar as an example, okay, but this is not the actual value. Uh, so you're going to be paying $1 per page to make this ebook. Why don't you pay $1.50 to make this an accessible ebook? And we just present the whole accessibility topic. Um, and a lot of publishers have been, haven't been saying, oh, okay, it's not a lot of difference, um, and I agree with with your points. Um, some of them do not go this way because to them it, it's, a, it's a huge difference uh, because, you know, Bookwire works with uh, nearly 500 publishers in Brazil uh, from all sizes, and most of them, don't really care about Justo. They just do it because they have to, but it's not their main concern. Um, so if you say, hey, why don't you spend 10% more with this? They're like, mm, no, because you know I don't care about Justo that much. Uh, but this is the first step that we took. And then I did some research after attending uh, eBook Craft last year, and I wrote the document that I mentioned about that I mentioned before, um, like it's a two-page document and it's meant to be read by those who make decisions in the publishers. Because if I talk to the per to the person that like is responsible for marketing or is responsible for eBooks only, they hardly get a yes from their superiors because they just don't. They don't have enough arguments. They don't have enough knowledge um, to talk about it. I made this. And then we are just sending it to the directors, the CEOs, and whoever makes the, 
the decision in the public so they can understand in a very easy way what accessibility means they can do to to have accessible ebooks and that's an important thing for business how they can profit from it because obviously it's a very important uh, cause and it's we're talking about readers we're talking about people so money should not uh, come of it but in the by the end of the day that's what publishers care about they need to know if they invest money and time on that how it's going to to come back that's an important thing and it's it has been making a difference which is to show to the publishers that losing money they're losing it because we have first of all we have a, a huge number i wouldn't say huge number you know there are millions of people with visual impairments in brazil and not all of them can read in braille because you know this is something you have to learn and there are not enough schools teaching it so not everyone that that is uh, that has a visual impairment in Brazil can actually read. But this is another social topic. <laughs> but they can listen. So if you have an accessible book, you could have more people reading. More people reading means just more people buying the books. That's one thing. But then you, your market grows, you know? Um, yeah. So I've been trying to show that numbers to them so here you have this amount of people that have impairment you have this amount of people who already read uh books through the station that in the wheel or through other ways um and so you could reach those people and many others that don't read because they cannot find find the books so you know if you make the books accessible and a lot of people know, you will obviously have more readers. This is something that um, is important as a society. We're talking to the publishers. Uh, like I said, we are the technology, like the technology arm for the publisher, and, and they rely on us. They trust us that we know a lot about what we do and about digital. So since they trust us, we are telling them make accessible books, make work accessible books. Uh, if you cannot afford to convert your previous catalog now, that's okay. Just start now. You know, like don't don't wait anymore. Just do not don't wait for a lot to then enforce you to do it. Don't wait also wait for demand because this is something that happened as well the law the brazilian law of inclusion it says that if someone demands an accessible ebook the publisher has to provide it and then there is this period that the publisher has has to do it i don't know if it's a month or two months or a year i don't i don't really know but that's already awful because you have someone wanting to read a book that is already published and is available to everyone else but not for him or her 
and they ask for the book and they still have to wait a lot of time. And then the, on the publisher side, the publisher cannot just send, like, here's a PDF. Because even a PDF, you have to, like, a PDF could be, could be not accessible. But if you do it, you're not 100% sure that that PDF is not going to be shared online. I mean, you could trust the person, but in Brazil, we have a really hard time with piracy. Uh, and this yeah. is something the publishers complain a lot. So what I also tell them is that if you have the file available from the beginning, this is much more convenient, and then people will buy it instead of just pirating it. Uh, and so far, we are, I wouldn't say we fully started this conversation because we are talking to some partners like Bookalope. Um, Jens from Bookalope was also at Ablecraft last year. That's when I met him. Uh, and Julian from Be Digital from Argentina. Uh, they have some solutions for turning your making your books accessible. Uh, and we are trying here to find a way to help the publisher to do it fast and in an affordable way. Sometimes I feel bad talking about money when I talk about it. But that's the thing. It's business. I know that I'm not going to publisher to listen to me if I only talk about are people there are not able to access your book you want to read. Publisher will usually say, well, that's their problem. Yeah. <laughs> what else can I do? It's there. Um, they already do it uh, in a way when they don't make the book simultaneous with the print book, or if they don't have their entire catalog available, <clears throat> that's one thing for me, and that's something that I try to pass it on to the publishers. Making a book accessible is not just a technical thing. You make it accessible by having it available in every shop and in every business model, so I'm talking about subscription, I'm talking about libraries, I'm talking about formats as well, if you have it, uh, the ebook, if you have the audiobook, because in the end, the, publish, the publisher, no, sorry, in the end, the client, the user, the reader, is the one who is going to choose what he or she prefers. So if you're an ebook person, you're an ebook you're e person. You're not going to buy the print book. You want the book to be available in your store of choice. And if you're a Kindle client and your ebook is only available at Apple, you're not going to buy it from Apple because you want it to be in one place. And if you're a Google client, you're not going to start buying books on Amazon. Because the same reason, you know, you want your library in one place and credit card is already there and you already read in that app. You don't want the force to change just because the publisher is not making that ebook available everywhere. Uh, and there is also the business model. Um, so I know some publishers, 
they have, like they consider the life cycle product. Uh, so first they release the, what we call download to all model, you know, like Amazon, Google, Apple. And after some time, after some months, they will release the ebook in subscription channels and libraries. That's, that's okay. That's sometimes something that they have to do by contract. But I'm always arguing that you should make it a, available everywhere because not everyone can afford to buy books, especially in Brazil. Some people rely on libraries. Some people rely on subscription because they're paying the, the value of one single book and then they can read a bit more. Like accessibility means making something accessible and you do not make something accessible if you are, if you have an exclusive deal with Amazon where your books are only there and you know like I said the king device is not accessible you cannot read out loud but the app can but if the person doesn't use the app if the person uses the Google Books app then you just lost a, a reader there's so much more than what the eye needs, right? There's so much more that goes into actually providing all this content in all the needed formats and ways for this like sort of untapped market. I feel like in in many of our countries, especially like here in Canada, there's just like so much that needs to be done, but. Uh, I feel that unfortunately for our countries we are behind and but I also think that this that we are doing right now like talking about it the things that we do at tech forum having people like you coming here and actually putting those issues on in front of other experts it's a really good way to start changing things and regarding to changes and next steps my question is what do you think are the next steps to solve this lack of accessible content, like in an ideal world or in reality? Uh, well, the first step is just to make more accessible ebooks. Um, so the publishers are already making an ebook, just make it accessible from the beginning so you don't have to remake what you did. Um, and like I said, from the technical side, it's not a lot of changes. There are some some things that need to be there, like some specific tags and some, some things in the semantic semantics of the ebook. But it's not that much and once you learn, you know, it it just flows. Um so that would solve part of the problem because from now on, you just publish everything accessible and then you have past to deal with. Um, and then this past is obviously an issue, but then you can just like do it in batches. Um, and I think we should talk more about it. We should reach out to the, to the people with visual impairments and hear what they have to say which is something that I want to do. Uh, 
and I hope I get to do it this year uh, and have something more complete to present to the publishers and anyone who is interested. But I don't think the publishers are really listening to, to, the, to these people. I've had situations where a publisher comes to me asking if Bookwire can make an accessible book, but like they're pissed off because someone demanded it, and they just took long to answer that the person is um, threatening to sue the publisher. And I'm like, but that person is absolutely right. You're denying the person a right that he or she has to read something. It's a, it should be available to everyone. That's what you say when you put your books in the market, but it's not. Um, I think if, if we talk about it more, if we had more events, um, like what really, really got, got me in ebook craft last year was just how accessibility is something like already established there. It's just not a matter if we should, but it's we must. We're already doing something. It's <clears throat> I I remember some sometimes talking to um Melissa. So yeah, talking to Melissa de Jesus. Sorry if I mispronounced your name with Melissa. Um, and also talking to Laura, uh, the way they see and they work with accessibility is so different from Brazil because here I still have to teach people what it is and convincing them of the importance. And there in Canada, everyone is already aware and is already doing something. It's like, if you're not doing it, you're uncool. Brazil, it's like if you're doing it, then you're the nerd sitting in a corner, you know. I don't think I have ever been to a publishing event to have people talking about accessibility, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, this is slowly changing. There is a guy in Brazil called Fernando Tavares. He he makes accessible ebooks and he has um a work a workshop uh, and he I think he recently published an article in our like publishing magazine something like Publishers Weekly that we have in Brazil uh, and and slowly the subject is getting to people and people are talking and uh, from I don't know the last six months I did get some emails from publishers wanting to know more about it but it's so slow. Like a person gets in touch and wants to know more about it, then I present the subject and all the data that I have, and this person is going to fight inside the publisher to convince people that this is important, that they should do it, and this takes months. Uh, and our main publishers in Brazil are not doing accessible ebooks. So, you know, that says a lot about our, our market. Things will get better, right? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my goal with my presentation was just to show how where Brazil is, 
not because Brazil matters that much, but because I know there are a lot of countries that are just like us, uh, struggling to make things happen uh, with digital and accessibility uh, and what we can do to change that reality. It's it's funny because like um, I don't have actual statistics or any actual information about writing habits in Colombia, but just like observing my family and myself when I was there and related to what we were talking about, like not about not being some sort of library culture. Um, I I think that also there's something important that we, we need to talk about and it's that here in Canada, for instance, uh, I have lived here in two different places and at each one of those places, I have had a library two blocks away. Of course, I'm not saying that that's the same situation everywhere here in Canada, but that at least here in Toronto, big city with so many people from so many different backgrounds, and you will not have a hard time finding a library. And also, there are so many resources online that many people can access them easily. Um, even like if you, I don't know if you probably noticed when you were here, but all libraries here have ramps and are easily accessible by wheelchair. So it's like all those little things that makes it more obvious that in our countries we are way far behind. There are a lot of things that still need to, to be improved. And also something else that we need to take into account is that in our countries, money is something that you actually have to take care of, right? You actually need to think twice before making a purchase decision. Um, not everyone has access to internet. Not everyone has access to um, money to spare in books, in ebooks, And accessibility and access to books and to this type of resources becomes even more difficult. So I would say that this is sort of like a systematic problem. And I I think that it's time for publishers to take this seriously, especially accessibility, in terms of um, making their books available to everyone. And despite whatever um, visual capacity you have or mental capacity, um, and I also think that the government has to enforce these laws and regulations that they are creating, right? They need to put pressure on publishers. Otherwise, um, it's not going to be easy to achieve the goal, right? Well, I, I don't know. I just, I, I admire Canada so much, but I don't live there, obviously. Like, I'm a big fan of Trudeau, just nothing to do with politics. Like he's just a nice and cute person. He's really beautiful. And when I was there, I was like, oh, my God, I love Trudeau. I have the best prime minister. And people were like, oh, I think you should do some research on the things that he did. And what I, what I mean to say is that when we don't live in the place, can not see the reality. But when I was there, my, my feeling was that, oh, my God, this is perfect. When I heard the someone I don't remember who from Overdrive 
like sharing the numbers and how many books were borrowed and how many people read and how the elderly read, 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 read a lot and because they don't have to like physically go to the library just get the books digitally in their houses. I was almost in tears because this is such a distant reality for Brazil. Uh, and I don't think we can grow as a society if we don't read. And it, yeah. it just says so much about the situation we're in. I'm sorry if anyone who is listening does support the current government in Brazil. I clearly don't. Uh, and the the way that culture is seen, culture in general, you know, movies and books and and everything else, is terrifying. And if the government does not make something, like does not force publishers to act if they don't act, if they don't act themselves, I I think the change is going to be very very slowly. So uh, the law was a good start. It it talks a lot about accessibility, not just for books, but in general the internet uh, and also like places if you have mobility issues. Uh, it's a good start, but it's not mandatory unless there is a demand, something like this. The law is more complete than what I'm saying. But you're absolutely right. It could come from above to make people act and do something. Ah, and that's that's what made me um, start to research and create this what I what I like to call a project in book wire was my visit to Canada and just to see how how much everyone cared about accessibility, the fact that everything in the event was um like everything was so well thought from the food, you had options to everyone. Like if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, I have diabetes, so there was there were things sugar free for me that I could eat. Uh, they had um, the. They, I remember that there was this moment that I was in a, a table, and someone with a visual impairment sat with me, and they had a service dog, and I did something awful. I'm so sorry. I did not pet the dog, but I left my food on the floor. Like I, the table was kind of crowded, so I just had this empty bowl. I left it beside my bag on the floor, and obviously it it draw the dog's attention. And then he was like in a fuss trying to get the bowl, uh, the bowl of food. And the person wasn't aware of what was happening, just trying to like shush the dog. And it, it was like a call because we never think of others and how an experience different from ours will be. And that whole trip just got me into that place where I started to think inside my job, what I can do to include everyone. So also people with dyslexia and autism, um, all the things that could um, make reading difficult, have the technology to prove it, why don't we? Like, we should, the technology is here for that. 
we should be solving things for everyone, not just for some people. Uh, and I'm very thankful to Canada and to everyone at Bookcraft for like, joining us. And it was it wasn't just the people who spoke at the event, but how everything was arranged. How in the beginning there was uh, a native woman um, talking about the land we were in, and you know, in, I don't know if people know anything about Brazil, but there was native people here before Pedro Alves Cabral arrived and just trashed the place around. And we have zero respect for the native people. Uh, like we just said that Brazil was discovered and it was not. It already existed. Everything was already here. People just got here and took everything. You know what I mean? I'm getting very political. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the thing is, the event showed me a lot of things and it put me in this place where I tried to make my work inclusive. Uh, and this accessibility project is just one of the things that I'm trying to do. And it's honestly the least I could do since I, can, I get to talk to most of the publishers in the country. So thank you for that, everyone at BookNet Canada. That's, thank you, that's brave. thank you, and because we, we appreciate the insight uh, of someone who is actually there, who is doing things to change the current situation. And we really hope to get to see you presenting at the next Tech Forum 2021. It would be an honor. I'm very honored to participate in that. It's the highlight of my year so far. I would say one of my career. I feel very important right now. But it's always nice to to hear some some other experiences, right? Because you get to learn, you get to to see and compare, and also see like how can we help? How can we help each other? How can we improve together? So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It has been an awesome experience. And I really look forward to seeing you again here in Toronto. So thanks again, Isadora, for speaking with me for this month's episode. I would also like to take a moment to acknowledge that the BookNet Canada staff, board, partners, and our makeshift podcast studio operate upon the traditional territories of the Mississaugas of the Crude First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, and Huron indigenous people, the original nations of this land. We endorse the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada and support an ongoing shift from gatekeeping to a space-making in the book industry. And we hope that our work, including this podcast, helps to create an environment that supports that shift. We will also like to acknowledge the Government of Canada for their financial support to the Canada Book Fund. And of course, thanks to you for listening.